you learn about the blockchain trilemma and it's really just that simple. The others aren't decentralized. They're really not as secure. And it's just very first principles basics. Like, are they even solving the first problem statement? It's just a test net for Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the soundest, strongest, hardest base layer we can have. And I align much closer with the values in Bitcoin of inclusion, empathy, truth, honesty, low time preference. Whereas you have in all the cryptos, all the scamminess, pre-mine, oh, we'll change the code. Oh, we'll just pretend like a hack didn't happen. Why is it so important, especially for the younger crowd, to get into Bitcoin and get uh, educated on that Bitcoin world that is coming uh, really soon, I think? Yeah, it, no, it's a great question. And I think this, like the one sentence answer that I've heard recently, um, all credit goes to Seyfedean Amuse, but he said, you know, I can't say it better than he did. Basically, Bitcoin is a tool for younger generations to earn their wealth once. So what I mean by that, or, you know, what his words meant was that often you go to school, you graduate, um, you get a job and you work to earn your wealth. And then you need to work again to ensure your wealth maintains its value. So you're kind of earning your wealth twice, once to get it the first time and then once to preserve it. But Bitcoin allows us, younger generations, to earn their wealth once. And so I think if nothing else, you know, Bitcoin is a tool to preserve your financial freedom um, and, you know, have be able to live the life financially that you want to live. And this is where part two comes in, um, where, you know, you don't need to spend after you get home from work thinking about your investment portfolio, like go live your life, pursue the job you want to do, how you want to contribute to society. Um, and so to quote another Bitcoiner, Knut, who said that Bitcoin's not the signal, but it's the greatest noise remover. So remove the noise from your life the tasks that detract from what you actually want to do um, and go find the noise for yourself. And so I think that's just kind of the most concise reason why younger generations need to know about Bitcoin. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because uh, I started out in investing in the stock market and then I came to know about Bitcoin later and I did quite well and a lot of people, especially my family and friends, ask me, oh, how can I do it? How can I do it? And I always tried to tell them what I do, but I actually did the investing work. Like I actually did like uh, researching about the stocks, researching about the management team and stuff like that. And it's so great that with Bitcoin, we have a technology where everybody can save their financial energy without being a portfolio manager, a stock picker and professional investor. Like that's uh, such an, a great thing uh, to have and maybe for like the younger generation that just now comes up in this whole Bitcoin world and they are able to do that with Bitcoin they are starting now with like 18 years old and they're just doing that what will like change in their life uh, on a level which you want to you wanna choose uh, to comparison to like people that are born in 1971, for example, or 1980, mm -hmm. uh, what will change for the people that are now born into the Bitcoin world? So your question is what will change for them? Like if a bit, ideally a world under the Bitcoin yeah, standard, well, what, let's say. What's the, like what's the comparison? Like people are that are living in a fiat world without uh, Bitcoin. I mean, I guess they have gold a little bit. Uh, they always yeah. had gold, but it's different than Bitcoin. And what what's the difference to people are now getting into Bitcoin with uh, like starting their life in Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. So honestly, I don't really think I have an answer for you yet. But what I am studying at school um, is really the Bitcoin network. Um, so I have kind of a fascination with the numbers in Bitcoin. And I think it's not a coincidence that the word network is mentioned 21 times in the white paper. Um, to just kind of emphasize, I'm abstracting this to emphasize the importance of the Bitcoin network and not just lowercase b Bitcoin as the asset. And so what I have um, proposed and now gotten approved to study at my college is the Bitcoin network. So stepping back for a second, um, money is kind of at the base layer of society. And right now our money is broken. And now we have a solution to this problem outside of the current system through Bitcoin. So what I'm 
going to hopefully look into is, well, laddering up, if money is the base layer, laddering up, and we have right now the fiat network and all of our social structures are influenced by that from food to education to kind of you name it. What does our world look like if Bitcoin kind of is the new sound base layer? How does that ladder up and look at the social structures? So honestly, I don't know yet what does our world look like under a Bitcoin standard for, you know, people in the future. But I think we can look at, okay, you know, we know Bitcoin emphasizes low time preference, thinking about the future, cooperation, optimism, saving, um, and so then maybe you just like you look at the values that Bitcoin embodies and allows for that our current systems do not strive for. Um, and that will have impacts. Uh, this morning, I was actually doing a reading for a class and it this is for the seminar class of the um, new program I'm in at school. And it was about kind of the importance of being stupid in scientific research and how to be productively stupid was the point. Um, and it means, you know, you should study something that you don't know the answer to, that you feel like you're just kind of waiting around in uncertainty. But unfortunately, I think where we are right now in the world where our money does not hold its value, where the dollar has lost 98% of its purchasing power since 1971, to bring that in, where you kind of have to be more short-term um, focused, more high-time preference, uh, it's really not incentivized to be productively stupid or wait around in uncertainty. Um, so I think, you know, possibly a huge benefit that will come under a world with a more Bitcoin focus based standard is the ability to think long term about hard problems um, and really, you know, commit to meaningful endeavors. So I hope that answers your question. But I think we're getting, you know, not only a new money, but kind of a new value system that also will um, spread throughout our spread throughout our society. Yeah, I always try to make the comparison with street running versus sand running. If you run on oh, a street, like Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like if, okay, if okay. you are yeah. running on a street, like a solid street, yeah. Uh, okay. It, it's okay because like you have a solid street, you can run fast on that street. Yeah. And it's like a Bitcoin foundation. Uh, it's like hard money you can rely on. Mm -hmm. It's predictable, and it's yeah, just yeah. money at the end of the day. It's like it does not come magical to you. You still have to do something for it. Yeah. Like uh, if you're just oh i'm a bitcoin standard now i can lay on the couch that that does not solve any problem but yep. if you do something productive being like a, a doctor that saves lives you can yeah. save in in bitcoin and you have that solid street under you but in a field standard you're more like on the sand like you have to run mm -hmm. so much faster to get ahead yeah. you have to <laughs> you have to constantly yeah. uh, be in the sand and it's it's really hard for you to keep mm -hmm. up and it feels everything is harder and in the end of the day, Bitcoin is just money, but it mm -hmm. changes so much because it gives us that whole foundation of uh, being able to save for for the future. And mm -hmm. that's why it's yeah. always so interesting to, to, to interview, especially young, like I'm myself, I'm just 25, like I'm myself, mm -hmm. uh, I'm usually the youngest person on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are you actually? I'm 20. I'm okay, Jenny, that's uh, mm -hmm. already five years <laughs> difference. <laughs> it feels a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling old now. Uh, how do yeah. your uh, peers in, in school uh, see Bitcoin? Like in school, I think you always have an interesting view because you're forced with people into a class. Like you cannot choose your friends. The, the further mm -hmm. away you go in life, I think you can more and more choose with who you are, you are be. And how do your peers look uh, at Bitcoin? And uh, did you do you have successful orange peeling stories or effective ways to orange peel uh, orange pill twenty years old? Yeah, um, I have to say, I think the most effective strategies are to be really clear on the definitions and to use analogies. Um, so I can touch more on that, but. I'm always super pleasantly surprised whenever I talk about Bitcoin with my peers and friends and very often. Um, and I think it matters what environment you're in. So for instance, yesterday was Club Fest, which is basically when all of the clubs on campus uh, have a table in a big like track house and you can go look at clubs. And so 
we had a great turnout there. I think I have about 75 signups um, for the Cornell Bitcoin Club, which I started this semester, um, which is very exciting. And I printed like 210 quarter cards, they're called, like little flyers. And I think I have, I don't know, 10, 20 left. So I'm hoping for a very good turnout. Very good. Um, and so, yeah, that's super exciting. Um, and then last night, so I do this thing where I have like Sunday dinner for my friends and we talked about Bitcoin for like an hour and a lot of people, uh, like it, it was just, a, I think it was a huge success. Like, I think most people my age are very open and curious. Um, it's just a matter of not knowing what questions to ask or just never having been exposed to these topics because, you know, this isn't talked about in school. And that's why, you know, I think the importance of Bitcoin clubs. And so, you know, that might be the biggest barrier. It's not that people like our age, Gen Z isn't interested in Bitcoin. It's just, maybe they just never have been kind of primed or know that the topic exists. And then I think where it's a little different is when you uh, are in kind of like a blockchain focused environment. Um, and with that, I hope that more people will start to see Bitcoin as not just money, um, because I think often Bitcoin is spoken about just as money and maybe not something that they can participate in, whether that be like, you know, the technology, like actually building, you know, on Bitcoin with lightning or, you know, whatever it is, or also a job. I mean, eventually I think every business will become a Bitcoin business. So it's a process, but I am very hopeful about, you know, all the people that I interact with at school and talk about Bitcoin with, um, and then all around the world. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the Africa Bitcoin conference in Ghana, and there were a ton of students there. And so I think it, you also have to look outside of your immediate circle. And there's just, you know, Bitcoin students all around the world that are doing stuff and organizing it. I had someone from Korea message me the other day and they have like a whole Bitcoin blog in Korean and their university. Um, so I have, you know, nothing to say but positive on, you know, my hope and optimism for my generation. It's just they need to know and they need to know in an unbiased way. Like whenever I talk about Bitcoin with people, my intent is never for them to leave the conversation and go buy Bitcoin. I mean, obviously, I would hope that they would for their future selves. But I think the most important thing is that, you know, they now know they're curious. They can look into that for themselves. You know, Bitcoin restores your agency. I just want people to have the information and them to make decisions for themselves to protect their themselves. Um, and to answer your question on the strategies, so recently what I've found is it's really helpful to clarify the difference between like lowercase b Bitcoin, uppercase b Bitcoin. How is Bitcoin not crypto? How is Bitcoin not blockchain? What is currency? What is money? Um, and then analogies. Like I, my favorite what is like blockchain analogy is that the New York Times is the longest running blockchain. Just something, just make all these concepts much more tangible or the visual of about, you know, to your point about sand and steel, like if a blockchain doesn't optimize for security and decentralization, then you're building whatever structure that is out of sand. You know, it'll look nice, but it won't last. You need to build out of um, steel, like security and decentralization. So anyways, anywhere you can put in an analogy, I think is super helpful. Um, another one that I... Uh, I'm very grateful for all the knowledge I get through Bitcoiners. I feel bad that I kind of steal all their great phrases. But another one that I have been enjoying recently from Safedine is, and this is when I'm talking about my major with the professors, most of them hear Bitcoin and just the currency. And I kind of say, look, like I'm not studying fiat coin or like the dollar. I'm studying Bitcoin, like the Bitcoin network, like the fiat network, like the whole thing. Um, so just anything like that, I think is really helpful. Interesting. Uh, you said a yeah. very interesting thing. Every business, is, every business will be a Bitcoin business. Uh, what do you mean by that? So this speaks to the network piece and other people have said this before as well, but um, I just think Bitcoin aligns to whatever your unique incentive is. So I think the energy companies will come into the space. Um, it will just make sense, like we're seeing with MicroStrategy, to hold Bitcoin on 
the balance sheet. Um, I think the what Bitcoin did that came out recently where they just talked about how I'm going to have the numbers wrong, but basically MicroStrategy should have whatever it is, 800 million. And it's like 8 billion. Those numbers might be wrong, um, but it's just going to make sense. Um, and Bitcoin addresses so many problems, so many different pain points. Um, we're just We're just in the building stage. Yeah, MicroStrategy became like an an early Bitcoin ETF kind of. <laughs> it's, it's like in, in a way for people to invest in Bitcoin. And actually, I had this conversation a lot with with uh, with people because I first yeah. were in the stock world and then in Bitcoin. A lot of people are like, oh, I just buy MicroStrategy. I don't want to deal with self custody. I'm like, come on, learn about Bitcoin, learn about self custody. But a lot of people actually, especially from the stock world, yeah, I buy MicroStrategy, then I have exposure to bitcoin and they have a business that actually produce a cash flow and yeah kind yeah. of they were right uh, uh they got more exposure like if you measure it in fear terms uh but yeah they did not get the whole freedom side of things i guess mm -hmm. um, and the freedom side is critical like the first time i heard about bitcoin was just from kind of number go up and it was in a i hate to keep saying the word blockchain but it was in a blockchain class and that Bitcoin was presented as, oh, it's the first one. Um, but it wasn't until I had the opportunity to go to the Oslo Freedom Forum and I learned about Freedom Go Up. And that is just a critical piece that I think uh, really helps kind of just explain what Bitcoin is. Um, and it's just a really critical part of the education process. Yeah, it's like come for the money and stay for the revolution. And it's kind of yeah, like yeah. Uh, come, come, come because the number goes up and stay because your freedom goes up. And it's yeah. uh, a lot of people over overlook that. And uh, you, you can always tell, especially when you have like on Twitter and you interact with a lot of people uh, and you can quickly tell if somebody is just in it for like number go up technology and they are like mm -hmm. early in the education process or someone is like, I don't even care what the price is today. I or like the people that are actually liking Bitcoin, they like Bitcoin going down because they're getting cheaper yeah. in and they are getting <laughs> more satoshis. They, they they understand yeah. that concept, and it's yeah. interesting. And how, like a lot a lot of younger people, I feel like fell fall in this blockchain and crypto trap. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. They have like a fancy website and the founder speaks and like they, mm -hmm. they are getting really sucked into, uh, I think, easier uh, in this whole uh, crypto, blockchain, web-free kind of thing. Um, how did you, like, first of all, how did you did not uh, uh, get sucked yeah. into and resisted that uh, let's say seduction of a quick buck. Uh, and uh, how do you see it? Like with, with younger folks, is this just my uh, subjective feeling or is it actually like you have to fight against that blockchain web free thing? Yeah. So I think there's I have a couple of different thoughts, um, but also I'll just add oftentimes these blockchains come and it's like, oh, we're going to put on a hackathon and you can win $5,000 or we'll airdrop you tokens or you can we'll, you know, assign you tokens so that you can vote in governance proposals and uh, yeah, we'll come and speak. We'll send you merch. Um, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing department. We don't do any of that. And so, you know, we don't have that outreach to students. Um, also, it's just like you go on whatever Coinbase and you see, oh, I can buy this for 10 cents. Great. Like it's just, it's, it seems more accessible. Whereas you see, oh, you know, $44,000 Bitcoin and people don't know that there's the concept of Satoshis. <laughs> there's a hundred million Satoshis in one Bitcoin. Um, so why did I not kind of fall down that path? Well, I should say when I, so I learned about this whole world um, when I was a senior in high school. And I was in this program at my school called the Technology Innovation and Entrepreneurship Program, um, Certificate Program. And you had to take different classes depending on which one of those strands you were in. And so I was in innovation and a class titled Blockchain was one of the offerings. And so I, at the same time, was starting my first kind of real job. Um, I was working at IBM on their STEM for Girls program. And then later I also worked on their educational platform. 
And um, then, you know, my parents were like, okay, Ella, we want to talk to you about investing and saving your money and trying to, you know, set your el- set yourself up um, for success in your future. We really want you to be independent and just be financially secure. Um, and so I was like, yes, okay. And so I bought Ethereum, Cardano, Bitcoin. I think I actually didn't initially own majority Bitcoin. I really didn't know what any of this was. And as I mentioned, I was just hearing the narrative. Yeah, Bitcoin was the first and now there's others and they do more and UN Sustainable Development Goals and et cetera. Um, And, you know, I I had no context. Also, like the 40 years of research that went into the Bitcoin white paper prior to, I just had no context. Um, So I did. I owned cryptos. And then I, as I mentioned, I went to the Oslo Freedom Forum. They, I think that might've been the first year they had kind of like a Bitcoin track, like a financial freedom track. Um, And there were a couple of different inputs here. So that was one. I was also, I am just really interested in numbers. I wouldn't say I'm excellent at math, um, but I find numbers very interesting. And I had started taking note of, uh, and I love history as well. So executive order 6102, and then the every 2016 blocks, kind of the reversal of palindrome for the difficulty adjustment and how there's uh, two, one, and six zeros in 21 million. And so I just started seeing all of this. And that's where, speaking about my Twitter, that's where 21 million for the 21st came from. Um, and then like Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation having the same day he tacked the 95 theses, the same day the Bitcoin white paper was published and it just, this all turned into an article. Um, but I was seeing all this, I was like, wow, there's just substance here. Um, I also decided to read the U S federal budget, um, and just like, where's the money going? And, you know, I think to understand Bitcoin, like you don't just read the white paper, you learn economics and about cryptography and energy and philosophy, just all the components. And so I started just having my whole world kind of opened up to areas I never even really knew existed. Um, And from there you fall down the proverbial rabbit hole and you just realize like Bitcoin is it. And so and it's kind of Bitcoin only. So I had a very, I guess, short crypto phase, um, but quickly, and then you learn about the blockchain trilemma and it's like, well, it's really just that simple. The others aren't decentralized. They're really not as secure. And it's just very first principles basics. Like, are they even solving the first problem statement? I mean, maybe some cool things will come out of it, but I mean, I heard someone say this recently, like it's just a test net for Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is the soundest, strongest, hardest base layer we can have. And I align much closer with the values in Bitcoin of inclusion, empathy, truth, honesty, low time preference. Whereas you have in all the cryptos, all the scamminess for lack of better word, the pre-mine, oh, we'll change the code. Oh, we'll just pretend like a hack didn't happen. All of that just didn't align with me. And so I guess there's, sorry, that was a little scattered, but there were a lot of different inputs coming at the same time um, that ultimately was like, Bitcoin's it. I'm super excited to announce that this podcast got the first ever sponsor. 21 Bitcoin is Bitcoin only from day one and they teach and preach self-custody. This is my go-to exchange when someone asks me, oh, where can I buy my Bitcoin from? This is the easiest entry for Bitcoiners. And if you want lower fees, plus at the same time support this podcast, use code Robin and click the link in the description. I have a completely different question now uh, because I just thought about it. You are 20 years old uh, and you are extremely good in speaking. I usually have have way older uh, people on and extremely experienced people also with like from every range. Some some made the first podcast with me. Some have like 100 podcasts. Tomorrow I have Jeff Booth on like (laughs) from every kind of range of of speaking level and knowledge level. I have people on, but... 
uh, I just thought about it and I was listening <laughs> and I was like, wow, you're speaking extremely good. You're really Thank early you. in Bitcoin also. Uh, like my question would be like, how the heck, <laughs> how the heck did you uh, get to all this knowledge and also the speaking skill uh, that you are right now just as a sidetrack uh, uh, question? Yeah. Uh, maybe the speaking skills. I am a very strong believer you have to do things that scare you or that are a little uncertain. And so I was very fortunate that I went to an all-girls school for most of my life. And just in that environment, the teachers really emphasized, you know, speak up, ask your question. You know, you have a voice. It matters. And so I think that had a huge kind of consequence later on my ability to speak now because um, I just was always told. And my parents also said, you know, Ella, like we value what you have to say. Please share your opinion. Um And then I mentioned the role I had at IBM and I had just the most wonderful bosses there. And they also really pushed me to like, if we had a meeting with maybe people uh, in higher positions, they would really, you know, push me to take ownership of some of that call and present the work. And so I think I just, my whole life, I mean, all the credit just goes to them for kind of in honestly, like kind of small stake scenarios push me to, you know, just practice. Um, and over time that compounds. So I think that has been um, very helpful on my ability to speak and communicate. Um, and sorry, what was your other question? How did I learn all of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of answered it already. And you said like, yeah. uh, over time, it compounds and you're very right. But usually it's mm -hmm. not with 20 already. <laughs> I'm just really <laughs> impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but how, I mean, how I learned all the Bitcoin stuff, uh, Natalie Brunel was one of the first podcasts I found. Um, a lot of podcasts, a lot of books. Um, I mean, I think all the normal sources and then maybe like a year or so. I don't, I'm forgetting the timeline, but then I found Twitter and I never had social media before Bitcoin, but it's kind of, it's the best place to get news. And so now I'm on it. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter is a great place, or like access, in, they now call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You are also, and I heard your, your podcast with Natalie Brunel, and you also uh, talked about AI and language modeling and uh, how it's possibly a, like a threat to society. We have to have like a, the, the ethics coded into it. Like, how did you get started with? that whole rabbit hole and <laughs> yeah. uh, how can you code in ethics in AI? Yes. So to your second question, I think the answer might be no. And let me backtrack. So I uh, did my junior year of high school in Beijing. Um, I did not, I landed, didn't know a word of Mandarin, um, but I had an incredible host family, incredible teachers. Um, yeah, that was huge on speaking. Like, one month in, maybe two months in, we had to stand up in front of like our host families in the entire class and give a like a five minute speech in Chinese. And I had only been learning for, I don't know, a month, two months. And <laughs> so, you know, do things that scare you. Um, but so one of, um, really the most incredible teacher and she wrote a character up on the board and I'm happy to go into it, but basically she showed us how much, uh, or how ethics can kind of be coded inside of spoken written languages. Um, and at the same time, I think I was taking an online course on AI and I just, um, found it interesting. I had heard about the idea of the singularity and basically all, uh, computer, power minds, um, superseding that of humans by about 2040. And I just thought, huh, you know, if you can code ethics, um, into a spoken language or written language, can you do that in a computer language or computer code? Um, cause we have all of these AIs, but there's really no seatbelt on them of how they should act morally. And also depending on your culture, it's different. Um, so for instance, uh, there's a very, I think, pretty famous study on uh, you have a car and then there's either a baby or an older woman um, 
that's in the crosswalk and the car is going to hit one of them. And depending on which culture you're in, you decide which one to save. And so if you're in, um, if you're Chinese, you're more likely to save the older woman because their culture just really values the elderly. If you're in France, you're more likely to save the child, the baby, because their culture puts greater emphasis on younger children. Um, and so, yeah, you can't have one ethical AI. They're different. Um, and then, so I still had this, I found Bitcoin and I kind of realized that maybe, you know, if you have two problems that I both am passionate about both, but I just felt Bitcoin is the work I can't not do. Like I just, I felt a draw that Bitcoin is the problem we have to solve first. If we, if we don't have sound money, not to be kind of extreme or pessimistic, but nothing else matters. Like we have to solve the foundation of society. Um, and so then I took a class a year ago now. Um, it's called The Psychology of Language. And in it, uh, actually it was a fascinating book. I would actually read the book if it wasn't a textbook. Um, it's called The Language Game. And the game is basically when you have a conversation like you and I, um, you kind of can enter into this concept of the um, now or never bottleneck. So you have meaning that you want to get across to me. I have meaning that I want to share with you or, and with the audience. Um, but if you just look at a like a water bottle, the bottleneck is really narrow. And so it's hard for us to get all the meaning that we want through that bottleneck. And so this is the game that we have to win. And so there's different strategies to do that. Um, so like in our conversation, if you're speaking and I nod or I say, um, hmm, or I kind of, there's inflection to emphasize a question, those are all tools we can use to try and win the game and get our message through the bottleneck. Or if we've spoken before and we could bring in the idea of the communication iceberg, you know, maybe we've had a past conversation or maybe we're from the same town, you know, there's different tools you can utilize. And so at the very end of the book, um, there is a kind of a, as an aside, um, a note on AI and can you code ethics into computer language? And if I remember right, the conclusion was essentially no or not quite. Um, but then this summer I was listening to um, Dhruv Bansal's and others um, talk at Bitcoin Miami. And I think it's called like AI and dreams. Um, if you put like Bitcoin Miami AI dreams, it'll probably pop up. Um, but this is really where he gets a lot of credit for some of the ideas. Um, I might get this slightly wrong, but he proposes that Bitcoin, the currency is kind of like the metabolic uh, currency or energy of artificial intelligences. So plural. Um, and because humans own all of the Bitcoin and AI needs kind of money or like a metabolic budget to operate, then if an AI works in the favor or the, the moral standard of humans and they are rewarded, they get money, uh, the Bitcoin, if not, then they don't. And so kind of training it in that sense. Um, all to say, now I kind of wonder super abstractly if uh, Bitcoin can kind of do what language can't. And because it has these values that I mentioned earlier of cooperation, uh, low time preference, um, don't trust verify, all of that. If, and Bitcoin is for everyone, all 8 billion people can participate in the Bitcoin network. Um, if it's kind of a way to say like, oh, you know, I see you, what you're doing matters to me, what you say matters to me. Um, we're all self-incentivized uh, to support each other if it can almost do what language can't. Like our, I can't speak every language on earth. Um, a lot, even within English, a lot gets lost um, in conversation. So kind of a super abstract, <laughs> can Bitcoin do what language can't? Um, and I wrote a medium on this. Really, really cool. And uh, the question, I think everyone that is in AI and Bitcoin at the same time, will AI choose Bitcoin? As, a, the, as the main thing? Well, I think by my understanding of what I've kind of learned so far, um, also Michael Dunworth has really interesting uh, thoughts on this. It's the AI doesn't choose. It's like the AI, the companies or like 
uh, I, I don't think it's AI that's choosing this. That's kind of the point that hum there's a collaboration between humans and AI. But I, I could be wrong, but that's my current understanding. That's, uh, that's, that's really, really cool. Um, how's your personal, like, Bitcoin standard progressing? Uh, I always see, like, uh, Bitcoiners are getting more and more deep in the rabbit hole. And the more and more deep in the rabbit hole, they're, like, first uh, Bitcoin just on exchange a little bit, then they're, like, self-custody, then they're getting in, in coin joints, then they're, like, trying to not even have a single dollar, pay everything with Bitcoin, like, uh, on, <laughs> on the whole yeah. whole spectrum on, on that. Uh, how, how's your personal, like, coming to a Bitcoin standard uh, going? Yeah, well, I think I, if it's all right, I'm not going to share much on my uh, custody situation yeah, <laughs> um, that's, that's, or uh, privacy <laughs> strategies. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I think, you know, maybe I'll talk more Bitcoin standard on my life, um, just how you kind of approach your everyday actions and how you live your life. Um I think Bitcoin just makes you really conscious of, you brought up Jeff Booth earlier, your time and your energy and where you're putting it. And so that's one of the you know huge things I'm grateful for with now being able to officially study Bitcoin in university is like, I know Bitcoin is just for me, the most important thing I can be doing. Um, the most important, you know, topic area that I can be learning about, um, where I can be putting my energy. And so now to Bitcoin used to just have to be my hobby. And I would sit in classes and I was studying cognitive science before. And, you know, I'd write notes about Bitcoin in the margins. Um, but now I just, I get the freedom to just think about Bitcoin uh, kind of without restraint. And so that's really nice that I, you know, I'm in, I want to be conscious of my time and energy and now to be supported in doing that um, has been very nice. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess in October, I, so I've, wanted to run a marathon for a very long time since I was in China. And basically I just kept failing at doing that on my goal. I would just kind of not follow through. I'd fall off track. I, during COVID, I just, uh, I was in three high schools at one time. Anyways, I just, it wasn't really prioritized. Um, but then the whole concept of proof of work is just, uh, has had a huge impact in my life and actually doing the work. And so um, to the relation to the marathon is that I think uh, uh, people say, okay, I'm going to do uh, when you're mining Bitcoin, the actual work is you're securing the network and then the Bitcoin you received is the reward. And so through proof of work, uh, when you're, when I was training running for the marathon, it was like, no, I'm securing myself, my, mental stamina, my grit, my perseverance. And the reward is if I get to run the marathon, if I actually finish it, like running the marathon, isn't the goal. It's, it's not the purpose of why I'm doing it. It's, uh, the purpose is securing kind of my own self, just like the purpose of Bitcoin mining is securing the network and the reward is Bitcoin. So I, sorry, I didn't say that super clearly, but, um, just the concept of proof of work. I also, uh, I think has been very impactful on my own life. Yeah, I think proof of work is such an uh, important concept to embody because it mm -hmm. shows that uh, you have to do, like so many people, I think, want to take the shortcut, want to take like, uh, like when they, let, let's take uh, content creation as an easy example. They're like, oh, let's figure out how ChatGPT can write all my uh, tweets. Like mm -hmm. nobody's, nobody's interested in, in that AI uh, written yeah. uh, stuff. Like you can write stuff with AI. They can help you in the research. They can help you uh, mm -hmm. make your text better, but just, just making the shortcut. Oh, like let's, let's, uh, outsource everything and not do any hard work people know mm -hmm. if you put in the hard work or not yeah. like this yeah. is something people yeah. are not stupid <laughs> yeah so and so to your, your question earlier about you know strategies with orange pilling and i said analogies are good so this is another one um sometimes i tell my friends when i'm kind of describing this i'm like look you're not going to graduate from college if i go and tell the dean or the president that i 
you know, saw you studying or if I tell your prof- – you're not going to pass your exam if I go tell your professor that I, I saw you looking at your notes. No, you have to go sit in the library wherever, do practice problems, study the material, do the work. Like This is just how life works is exerting energy over something. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. How is your um... – you're doing a lot like you're doing podcasts you're doing uh, school you're doing work with uh, uh, generation, generation bitcoin, bitcoin. yeah uh, how, how is uh, your like daily uh, f- um, progress going like what are you doing in a day what are you uh, focusing on uh, and and what's what's next for you yes um Google Calendar is my friend uh, and kind of a Google Sheets to track everything um I, if I, if I don't have that, I, I don't think I could really function effectively. Um, but I don't know if you're asking like, what does my day to day look like? Um, was that, yeah. yeah, I wake up pretty early. Um, I'm definitely more of an early bird, uh, than most people my age. Um, so I wake up early, go to the gym, do some work, um, I structured my class schedule this semester so that I have uh, one class on Monday in the morning and then my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are pretty full with all classes and then no class Friday so that I can, um, like today, it's a Monday, I've had a lot of kind of Bitcoin related meetings. Um, That's how Fridays look too. So I try and um, kind of structure things in a way that that you just kind of have good flow going through different tasks. Um, Right now we're Generation Bitcoin is going to be launching the Bitcoin Students Network uh, in March. And so we're doing a lot of work for that. Um, And so, yeah, I I think, you know, I wake up early, I go to the gym, read. Um, I also try to read at night. Um, Yeah, reading and setting time to think are really critical uh, for me. Um, Normally consume some podcasts throughout the day. Um, Someone's recently recommended to me that I should look at audiobooks. So that probably will be something that uh, I incorporate in the future. Um, I also try to, you know, seeing friends is important. I mentioned like I have Sunday dinners that I have a group of friends over, you know, kind of lunch throughout the week Um, and then classes and homework and my days are pretty packed. Um, but I, you know, like I said earlier, I wouldn't rather it any other way. And I feel like every ounce of how I use my time, it's packed, but I, I feel like I feel good about it. I'm doing something with purpose. And, you know, that's another thing people, my generation, I think I heard this quote, if you have life, you have purpose, uh, go find it. And for me, I'm really grateful that I have found a sense of, uh, purpose or um, meaning through Bitcoin and I get to pursue that and spend my time. And so I feel I use my time well. Um, And that's my wish for other people my age, you know, do what you actually, you know, like you, you lose time in doing something, go do that. Like you shouldn't have to do things that you don't enjoy uh, doing just for the sake of, you know, preserving your wealth or earning money through it. Um, So obviously work hard. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but you should be able to work hard at something you enjoy. Yes, and also I think, especially for young people, it's such a hack to uh, learn as much as you can and build something mm-hmm. like in your like. I think I'm now in the mid twenty thirty range, like from twenty to thirty, like twenty five is exactly the middle, and I benefit so much because I never put earning on top of my priority list. I always put learning on top of my priority list. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a fear job, with everything, I always try to yeah. go there where I learn the most and not where I mm-hmm. earn the most. And the funny thing is, uh, the earning part came from itself because you mm-hmm. get so much better in what you're doing and people will recognize your talent and will recognize what you're doing uh, and appreciate that and will compensate you well if you do good work. Like it's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. a, a, a really simple law, I think. Yeah. And another um, a, a TED talk that I really like, uh, I think her name is Meg J. I might have this wrong and I might get the title wrong, but it's um, I think why 30 is not the new 20, uh, if I get that right. But a lot of people kind of ignore their 20s or they think it's a transition decade or something that maybe doesn't need a lot of priority, um, but it does. And it's really critical that 
um, you know, people our age take advantage of this time period. Um, and so, and I think for the large part, everyone I interact with, they're all doers. Like they want to work hard and contribute. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I hope more people realize that too, that no, now is the time to really do work. And uh, her advice at the end is uh, don't worry about like having an identity crisis. You don't need to, like life is long. You might have many different careers. You don't need to worry about, you know, this is the one thing I'm going to be good at. Instead, I think she phrases it as go get some identity capital. Like, to your point, go learn, go do something, anything you can change. Um Kind of the idea of like a multi-potentialite, I think, comes up um, and use your network. Like just start talking to people. I think it's, again, about low-stake opportunities. Um, yeah, just just try. Go meet people. Yeah, the 20 to 30 range is like testing yeah. your limits. How much can you work? Uh, testing your uh, relationships. How um, how is how is everything going? And it's, it's there was this quote, I don't remember from who is it, like, from 20 to 30, test out how much can you actually do? How much work can you do? And I feel sometimes a little bit like that because, uh, for example, today I usually try to sleep like around eight hours and have like yeah. nice time between uh, everything. But today I woke up like at five, did the workout. I also try to wake up early. Yeah. Uh, but because I want to also record podcast with all around the world people, I had some last time someone on at 2 30 in the morning and oh, my gosh. time because it was like he was in australia and now yeah. today i also I woke up at uh, five went to work at my fiat job yeah. uh, that i still have uh, and came home at like five then i yeah. at seven had my first podcast today now okay. uh, it's like 11 20. oh sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah, I obviously yeah. I, I want to have the podcast like <laughs> and, yeah. and I have I have another podcast uh, uh, and it's in it's it's like if you go through the limits uh, you actually find yourself like you know mm -hmm. where your limit is and you get to know yourself so much better yeah? and this is yeah this is just the, the point that I want to make that it's when when you're young uh, test everything out also mm -hmm. how much can you work and also uh what what do you want to do and it's like trying and, and learning is really good yeah. yeah and just also like i think that people need to choose bitcoin for themselves or you know i i never want to force my interest or my belief on someone else because like that's not bitcoin the point is that people choose for themselves learn for themselves you know of course i want to be a resource be supportive um but also like a lot of my friends waking up early does not work for them and that's okay. Like maybe, you know, they need to work later. So I just think it's important to say that, you know, there's not a one strategy that works for everyone. Just pay attention to what works for you. That's right. Uh, trying out stuff is so important. Mm -hmm. um, we are coming really fast in the, we're progressing really fast in the podcast and uh, uh, we are having an end routine where the previous guest asks a question for, for the next guest. And okay. uh, your question is uh, for the next four year cycle, like the coming uh, yeah, yeah. Bitcoin uh, mining cycle. Uh, do you think people are coming in for the bad or the good intentions um like if they'll own bitcoin for bad or good intentions yes if they are coming into like the people that are coming now in the next four years into bitcoin uh mm -hmm. if they're coming in for good or bad bad intentions it's an interesting question yeah it's interesting because i also i think yeah i, I want to answer it kind of carefully but i I think everyone comes in, like you come in for, you have a problem statement and you come in to solve that for yourself. Um, and I think it's also interesting just the fact of how Satoshi aligned the, you know, the cycles to kind of align with the, like, the US political cycle as well. And I think there's just a lot of events that will probably transpire over the next years that will bring different people in. Um, I don't know why this is, I guess, a hard question to answer, but I, I think like it, I don't, I don't hate to say it doesn't matter, but I just kind of go back to the Bitcoin is for everyone. Like I, I hope people come in for good and I hope people will come in that they know like, okay, Bitcoin is a tool that I can preserve my wealth in. Like 
like my Twitter handle, it's 21 million for the 21st century. Like I'm coming in because Bitcoin is solving a problem that I have. Um, so I, I hope, you know, the large majority will be doing that. Um, of course, I mean, we've seen the charts, like the kind of illicit use cases of Bitcoin versus the dollar. It's like minuscule compared to the dollar. So I think anyways, it appears most people come in for good. Um, I guess I'm not. Yeah. Did they have an answer to that question? Or they just uh, posed it to the next? Oh, uh, we have like this, this uh, end routine is like the previous guest asked just a question for yeah. the next guest. For the um, next one. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, and you have today a an, an really interesting task because my next guest, as I said before, is uh, Jeff Booth. Uh, okay. So uh, you, <laughs> you basically can can uh, choose then a question for for Jeff Booth. Uh, I usually yeah. actually I usually do it uh, off podcast uh, yeah. uh, when I'm off the podcast, and, and then you try to think of an a question, and I usually give with give time, but. <laughs> uh, I just had this in my mind that I can actually do it also uh, on the podcast if you have now yeah. a question, but if you, if uh, like. Sure. Well, I think, you know, I think I, Jeff Booth has been really kind of instrumental in my Bitcoin experience, just how he approaches the topic and uh, yeah, I think just how he approaches the topic and life and interacting with other people that aren't into Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, also with, Ego death and all the many things he's doing, and uh, now with core, just all the different <laughs> areas he's involved in. I suppose I'd ask, you know, how, what does he, what would he say to students coming into Bitcoin? Like, how should, or also how um, should, I guess, let me phrase this better. Um, if he had advice to give to students on how they can participate or what he wants people in the Bitcoin space to do to support students, um, or how does he think this next generation can um, get involved and participate with Bitcoin might be interesting to hear his take on that. So how can the next generation uh, participate in Bitcoin best uh, to uh, achieve something? Something, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll, yeah. I think maybe I will do it always uh, while recording the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's yeah. let's see how, how I will progress with it. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, for the end, uh, where can people get in touch with you? I guess on Twitter is the best place. And, and do you want to uh, uh, say anything for for the latest uh, for the last minutes? Yes. Um, so Twitter is the best. Um, my handle is just 21mm for the 21st. And then on my uh, page, there's a link tree where, you know, pretty much you can find all of my links there. Um, I guess I would also just kind of shout out Generation Bitcoin and the Bitcoin Students Network. Um, Generation Bitcoin is a nonprofit focused on providing younger generations with um, Bitcoin education and career opportunities. And then coming in March will be the Bitcoin Students Network. Um, which is for a little bit uh, older age range, so more university age students, um, helping grow and scale Bitcoin clubs and really just being a kind of one-stop shop resource um, to join the students network um, and find educational materials. And so I would uh, also highly encourage um, people to go check out both of those pages. Um, and it's, it's all in the link tree as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being on Ella. Yes, thank you for having me. It was a really nice conversation.